God, I just thank you that your life and light and that you're always doing miracles and even you excel in times of real danger, you show yourself. You're near to the brokenhearted. You're with us in the valley of the shadow of death. You give us your rod and your staff and they strengthen and encourage us. God, you bring us to the table set before us in the presence of our enemies. Thank you that we have enemies and that you defeated them. Thank you. We pray you would, pour, you would anoint our heads, that you would pour into our cup and it would overflow and that goodness and mercy would follow every one of your people all the days of their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, I <laughs> sometimes... We don't know, we're often just, uh, you know, we could be like a day, a week, a month, a step away from some kind of miracle outpouring breakthrough. Sometimes they're significant, sometimes they're deeply personal and totally, I mean, in an amazing way, unexpected. And that's kind of what makes them miracles, right? So Lord, we just release miracles in this season. Next week will be our first fruits offering Sunday. And so... I know uh, two weeks ago, Pastor John spoke on, on this topic, and Pastor Mike spoke last week. They're amazing. So I, I want to go through just almost like you have handouts at your seats. There's principles, there's keys, and there's practical steps. So this is my job because next week is a very special week. It's a week that's holy, a week that um, we release blessing and we receive the holy offerings of his people. And so we want you to be prepared. If you're online, you're welcome to participate in this. And there's resources online that you can access. And this is something God led us into about 15 years ago. And the amazing thing is just all the miracles that have been released year after year, just stuff we would have never imagined. So I have a video that I'd like you to see just to to illustrate this remark. Are you ready? Okay, so before we play the video, I just want to pray, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you speak to each heart? Would you release wisdom and grace and revelation in the holy name of Jesus? Amen. Amen. Okay, let's enjoy this testimony. So 16 years ago, I had a lap band surgery. Um, for people who don't know what that is, it's like a weight loss surgery where they go in and they put a band over your stomach. And the theory is it makes your stomach smaller and so therefore you'll eat less. Um, pretty much from the moment that I did that, I had horrible reactions to it. For me, that, that's just so painful to watch. And knowing what it's doing to, to her body, to, her, to the inside and everything like that, it, it was just excruciating. Probably the worst of it was joint pain. My entire body just ached all the time. And I knew from just working at my company that getting it out wasn't really an option in the sense that insurance would pay for it. So I just kind of silently prayed, Lord, I need a miracle. You're just gonna have to do a miracle in my body. And I really had a lot of shame around it because it was a decision that I had made before we were even married. And it, it just really, I regretted it. So um, fast forward to January of 2023, I was getting an EDG, which is when they kind of put the camera down your throat. Um, and I was told that basically I didn't have a choice. This band had to come out. It was either life or death at this point. And so of course it wasn't, you know, we were like, okay. So the band came out and as soon as it came out, I had immediate relief, like everything was different. So now it was the cost. <laughs> it was, they said it would be probably about $40,000 to what was said and done. First Fruits came around and we just, Jeff actually had a lot more faith than I did, I'll be honest. I was the one making all the calls to the insurance company and, and just hearing, no, 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 it doesn't matter if it's an emergency. It doesn't matter. It's, it's not covered, it's 100% on you. I knew we just need to believe. Somehow, yeah, and, and maybe the bills wouldn't be paid, but he would still provide a way through it. And I, so I just, I just believed. So fast forward to about August, and I literally, the EOBs were rolling in, and so was the anxiety. But one by one, 
they would be paid. And I, you know, I'm, my company's a small organization, so we all have really good relationships. And I'd be like, how are these getting paid? They're like, we don't know. And so out of the $40,000 that it was, we ended up paying about fifteen, fifteen hundred, not 15000 1500 To this day, I literally have no idea how it was paid, <laughs> except that God, God did it. For me at this point, the true miracle is just how I physically feel. Um, and just the goodness of God and just caring and hearing my prayers for 15 years. I'm just so grateful. I'm just so grateful to a God who just loves us so fiercely. So when you're giving for your first fruits, don't go into it expecting something in return, but it's, it's wonderful to see what he does. And I would just encourage people to, to take that leap of faith. And that's truly what it is. It's, it's absolute faith. Amen. Wow. Thank you uh, for Jeff and Shelby sharing this with us all. We just are in awe. Isn't that amazing? I love what Shelby said at the end. To this day, <laughs> we have no idea how it got paid. Just God. God. Lord, release faith. Release the miracles, the breakthroughs that we can't make them happen but we concede the ground for miracles, breakthroughs, not only for ourselves, not only for the immediate, but for what's ahead. Amen. Amen. So um, I want to speak about that we may, I said this before, that we may prosper in all respects, which is what God's heart is. And uh, so I've shared this uh, many times, but how, how this got started about 15 years ago was I was, we were in this property, which was a miracle property, and uh, had been prophesied years before. But, and we were doing, everybody thought we were like, wow, you guys must have all this money, you know, and be really smart. And the reality was, we were just trusting God. <laughs> and, and every day, you know, believing every day. And so I was praying, and just after a number of years, and we'd never missed a bill. We were never late on paying a bill. But we were late on paying some payrolls because there just wasn't enough. And I said, God, it seems like we always have enough to get by, but that's not your will. Like, where's the more than enough? Because we want to do things. We want to make impact. We want to help, you know, now we're helping nations and, and things. And, but there's still more, there's so much more. And I said, God, where, where is the more than enough at this point? And he said to me, why don't you take a first fruit offer? And I've told the story. I think Mike referenced it last time, uh, last week that he spoke to me and said, take a first fruits offering. So um, I needed to renew my mind because I didn't really understand how that would work or what to do. And, and so I began to seek the Lord. And uh, the amazing thing is that when you renew your mind, it transforms you from one way of thinking to another, right? Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, which is how the culture all around us approaches things. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not so good, but it's not supernatural. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what's good and acceptable and perfect. And sometimes the will of God makes total sense. It's really rational. It's really like, you know, everyone would agree. And sometimes it's this crazy idea. And so to me, I just had to say, God, this is a word from you. So I'm going to approach it that way. So I was studying this. And I realized that in renewing my mind, what really renews our mind is when we understand the goodness of God and the love that God has for each of us. You know, that he rejoices, Psalm 34, 27, he rejoices in the prosperity of his servant, uh, Luke 12, that it's our father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. You know, this is what makes him happy. And so, I just said, God, just wash this away. I know this, but I, how, how many of you, we know things here, but they're not like deeply embedded deep in our heart, you know, because when the love of God is deeply embedded in our heart, it casts out fear. 
It changes the way we think. It changes. We're not making decisions out of fear. We're making decisions out of love, out of wisdom, out of revelation. You know, where we're hearing from God and, okay, I'll do this. Okay, I'll do that. And it's not, you know, a lot, so much of it, it as our mind is renewed, our thoughts and his thoughts are mind, and we just get smarter. We get wiser. We get like he is. It's amazing. He's counselor, mighty God, all of this. And so the impact of a renewed mind is that we're set free from the culture around it. I love Psalm 1. It's one of my favorite psalms in, in the, Saul, uh, the 150 psalms, but it, it also sets the stage for the 150 psalms. It starts out with these words, blessed is the man. Bless, it's happy blessed. It's the same it's the same words that Jesus spoke as he began the Sermon on the Mount in the Beatitudes. It's happy, blessed is the man who breaks free from the culture around him. He doesn't, he doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners. He doesn't sit in the seat of scornful. So it affects the way we, when we get set free, it changes the way we think, it changes the way we act, and it changes where we belong how we see ourselves. Are we citizens of heaven or are we victims of political dysfunction all around us, economic threats all around us, crime all around us? What world do we live in? You know, where, so do you see how different it is to be free? Can you imagine Jesus walking into the earth, you know, beginning his ministry? Basically, there's one righteous man on earth. Everyone else is in trouble. <laughs> and I'm telling you what God, God and you can change the world. God and it, you know, so we could look at it and say it's impossible. We could look at it and it may seem impossible by human means, but it's nothing is impossible with God. Do you believe that? Okay. So I'm just saying, and then it says that as this this blessed man, why is he blessed? Because verse two says his delight is in the law of the Lord, the Torah, which is the instruction of the Lord. It, it's, not, it's not the regulations and rules. They were part of the Torah because the people needed that structure. But it's the way of the Lord. It's the, it's the instruction of the Lord. It's, and as he begins to understand the ways of God, it fills his heart with delight and, you know, and it becomes his addiction. He meditates on it day and night. And then something happens, verse 3. He becomes like a tree planted by streams of water that has fruit in season and its leaves don't wither. A tree is a complex living organism that joins earth and sky. It doesn't just, it's not just a pipe that sucks water up and lets it transpire through the leaves, but it absorbs it and that water becomes living water inside the tree. And it produces something that's nourishing, that's beautiful, that is useful, that changes the atmosphere and creates its own microclimate. So God, I just bless your people that, and I, that each one of us, as we're transformed, that we become a life-giving source in the midst of a world that needs the help. I love this John, uh, third John, which only has one chapter, the second verse. This is a prayer. It's the word of God. Beloved, I pray that in all respects, you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. Now, how do you like that word, all respects? Now, most of us, you know, somebody asks us, how are you doing? Most of us say, I'm, I'm pretty good, you know, or I'm good. You, there's some areas probably where every person in this room, you say, or every person online, there's at least something good in my life. Now, there could be a situation where you can, I can't find anything. Then you're in a situation like Job and you're gonna have an encounter with God. But, the, but basically, you know, we've got some things that are good and some things that are not so good. Anybody got some not so good areas? So we, so we wanna bring the blessing of God into every area so that in all respects we prosper. This is a prayer of scripture. Beloved, <laughs> isn't that beautiful to be called beloved? Beloved, I pray that in all respects 
you may prosper. Can you just say all respects? So God, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to begin to apply and invade the respects that aren't good with your goodness. We ask you to bring revelation and insight so that we're set free from the dysfunction in this world and we operate entirely sanctified and set apart by you as citizens of heaven who shine like lights in this world. Amen, in Jesus' name. So this is pretty powerful. And this is, you know, this is a good and wholesome way of thinking and approaching life. And some people I know, they're such examples to me, like, like things will happen to me, they're like, man, they must be wiped out. And you say, how are you doing? I'm good. And they mean it. They're not just, like, they're not just saying, I'm good, but you can feel like, yeah, right, that's what you're saying, but you're not really good. But they're actually saying, I'm good. And you're going like, this is a sign and a wonder. This means their state is not being determined by what just happened to them, but it's being determined by who they are and whose they are. God, release and reveal this identity we have that you chose us, you adopted us, you saved us, that we're your children, that we're your sons and daughters. We are your representatives, ambassadors in this earth. God, help us. And so I, I just welcome you. This is a place, and it's been a place, by the grace of God, of transformation and encounter. And when you come to this place, it's nothing, we don't know how it happens, but we've seen the testimony of it for over 20 years. People come here, and after they're here for a while, they'll say, my life has changed. And it, there's something, there's an interaction between the grace of God and our current situation that changes our current situation. So if you are in need of change, you're in the right place. And the change doesn't come from our brilliance, it comes from his grace. Amen, amen. And it's because, it, here's the basic, this is part of renewing our mind. If we know how much he loves us, and we believe how much he loves us, this is 1 John 4, 16. We know and we believe the love God has for us. God is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him or her. If, you know, that, it's like, it's God's after communion. He's after a house to live in. <laughs> You're his house. And how do we get God in our house? In our body is by being in him. 24-7, staying in the love of God, you're in a place of miracle, a place of breakthrough, a place where you see what's going on around you, but you don't react with a toxic reaction. You react with maybe sincere prayer, with, with you know, intercession, with activism. Faith always does something. We put our faith into action. We act, but we do it not in desperation, but we do it in faith. And we do, I'm doing what God has called me to do and I'm trusting that God will produce from my obedience what he has in mind. Isn't that good? And in it, I'm fellowshipping with him and I have communion and intimacy with him. Jesus, save us. I love Psalm 23. It's like one of the most, 23 is probably the most known and memorized of all the Psalms. The first verse says, the Lord, Yahweh, is my shepherd. Yahweh is the personal name of God that he gives so his people would know him, that he reveals his affection and his mercy and his choice to them. So Hashem, the name, and the name above all names is Jesus' name. So Jesus is my shepherd, therefore lack does not exist. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In Spanish, nada me faltará. Nothing will be lacking to me that I need as I follow the shepherd, as I graze in his assignment, as I dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. You know, just on and on and on. These are the concepts. There's no lack in his will. Would you like to just declare no lack? How many, I'm just saying, I know it could sound crazy, but it's not crazy because it's coming from your mouth and if you declare it in faith, you're releasing a creative declaration. 
So I just would like, if you want to join me, you can stand up, and maybe standing up is always good because we sit too much, and uh, I'm up here walking around, so I'm getting a little exercise. Okay, oh, so on the count of three, we're just gonna declare, and I want you to think of the areas in your life You know, there's areas where you're prospering, where you're absolutely thankful, filled with gratitude and wonder at the work of grace. And then I want you to think of the areas that still need renovation, help, restoration, transformation. And over that, we're gonna declare no lack. It doesn't exist. In Hebrew, it's lo echsar. It means that lack, which is exar, doesn't exist. It's impossible to be cared for by God and for lack to dominate our lives. So are you ready to do war here? Okay. So first, let's just start off by saying thank you, God, for your goodness. We'll all say it together. Thank you, God, for your goodness. And now we want to make a declaration, and we're going to say, in my life, there's no lack. Now let's say that last one really strong. There's no lack. Amen. Why? Because the Lord is our provider. That's why. That's why. He's our shepherd. So because he's our shepherd, there's no lack. Thank you. God releases in Jesus' name. All right. So he's always inviting us to come and know him better, and come and hear what he says. You know, and sometimes it's a walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and that's where we meet him. That's where it goes from saying, he makes me lie down, he leads me beside still waters, to say, I have no fear because you are with me. Becomes very personal. And that sets us up for the table in the midst of our enemies. And some of you are going to sit at tables and be anointed and blessed by the Lord, and the enemies that have opposed your assignment will be present. And they may not be human, they may be human, but they'll definitely be all the spiritual enemies that have fought it, and they will, it'll just humiliate them as God pours oil on your head and your cup overflows, and your future is that goodness and mercy is gonna run after you all the days of your life. This is the word of God, okay. So let's, let's get into, okay, I'm not, I have a little bit of time here. There's a handout, which if you're my age and you have reading glasses, you can read. And I think this is also available online for those of us who might need help. But um, there's, so we just tried to boil this down as God revealed to us, take a first fruits offering, we didn't know what it was, you know? I mean, I didn't know what it was and we had never practiced it. I'd read about first fruits in the Old Testament, that first fruits was part of two different feast festivals of, uh, in the, of the three major feasts, and they're very important. But this, he wasn't saying, I want you to go back and relive that kind of first fruits offering, but there's something else that we're going to do that's eternal, that's the principles behind why the first fruits released blessing in Israel the same way obedience to the Lord and hearing from God and responding as we walk in faith, it releases a dimension of blessing in our life. So are you ready for these principles? I'll try to go slow enough that it doesn't sound like I'm a machine gun, but fast enough that we finish. So seven principles, because a lot of people have never done this before. It's like I've never been in a church before. We've had people walk in on First Fruit Sunday and say, I've never heard of this before, but I want to do it. And then they have testimonies of the things God did. It's an amazing thing. So what is a First Fruits offering? And this is what God spoke to me when I said, God, where's more than enough? He said, try a First Fruits offering. The funny thing is every offering, tithes and offerings, open the windows of heaven, the sluice gates of heaven. And so somehow there is an open heaven here. And part of the reason is the massive spirit of generosity and faithfulness that all of you carry and, and your desire for the Lord's presence. So first principle, for a First Fruits offering is given at the beginning of a cycle and it sanctifies the whole. It sanctifies our life and all we love. And 
when they would give a first fruits offering in, I think maybe Mike was talking about this, the agrarian thing, they bring in the first fruits, the first ripe grain, and they would give it to the Lord. Well, they didn't know if a hailstorm was gonna hit next week and it would wipe out all the rest. So it was always in faith and belief that this first fruits offering was releasing a blessing and a holiness to the rest of the offering. So that's in the, in the Old Testament. Is it in the New Testament? Romans eleven sixteen. I'm reading from the New International Version. If the part of the dough offered as a first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. So what does holy mean? Holy, in, in the Greek language, the, the word holy, that's translated holy in the New Testament, means that it's set apart from the ordinary. So we make something holy, we make ourselves holy by coming apart from that which is less than God's best. We, we sanctify something when we set it apart unto the Lord, he separates it and he receives it as holy. So it means it's not part of the ordinary. So when it's holy, it releases the extraordinary into everything else. In the Hebrew language, the word Kadesh that is translated holy has the idea that it's not part of the natural order. It's something that God has made supernatural. And so when we, we do this, you know, we're releasing super on our natural, extra on our ordinary, and, and just it's like God's blessing comes on the whole. Is that wild? It's like, this is good, this is a nice pattern here. Then the whole batch is holy. So when we give first fruits, we're sanctifying everything that this is part of. So it's part of your finances, part of your life, part of your dreams, part of your plans, you know, part of, and we're just giving it unto God and we're trusting God, you're, I, this is what you've told me to do. So that we never put pressure on you like give an amount. We're just saying we want everyone to hear from the Lord and just respond. In faith, it, you can respond in desire, all kinds of things. So secondly, it's a pattern, it's not a law. We're honoring the Lord with the first and the best and he honors us with, blessing, with a blessing that remains. And I love this verse from Ezekiel 44, and I know it sounds like I'm cherry-picking verses. They all have contexts. Please study them. And it, it's like, the, these aren't just, you know, fake verses. They're like, they're, they're part of something very important. Ezekiel 44 isn't actually talking about the, the old covenant time. It's talking about a new temple and a new time that's going to you know, that is wild. It's where the river, the valley of dry bones, the river that causes everything to live, it's all part of this future outpouring of God. And in that, are, there's a temple, which not, no one's ever seen. It's not fully understood. But he says, in that time, bring the best of all first fruits of any kind. And then it's kind of a long verse. He's, he gets real specific, bring it to the priest, etc. But I love the last clause of this um, verse, to cause a blessing to rest on your house. So this is the pattern, that we bring it to the Lord, we sanctify it to the Lord, it's a first fruit, and we're believing, God, you're going to put a barakah, a blessing that will rest on our house. And that's not just your physical house, that's your family, your descendants, your all, all this. And you could be single and say, well, I don't have, I don't even own a house. I rent and I'm single. So what does this mean for me? It means your life. It means your legacy. How many know the Apostle Paul didn't, he didn't have a family? <laughs> he was single. He said, I could be like the other apostles and take a wife. He was single. How many think God blessed the house of Paul, Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul the Apostle. And we're all receiving from him. I'm saying, we do this. We're saying, God, I'm asking for a blessing that remains. I want to tell you something. When you have a blessing that remains on your life, you can, it's like you can break a curse, but you can't break a blessing. 
You know, that blessing, the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. And there's a blessing. Sometimes you say, God, why do these opportunities keep showing up for me? I don't deserve it. I don't. Right. It doesn't have anything to do with deserving it. It's the blessing of God. So we just prophesy that you're, there's a blessing that makes you fruitful. This is why you're like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Okay, third principle, generosity. So just giving in general, generosity is an indicator of grace and love at work. And so Paul writes to the Corinthians, and here's the background. The Corinthians lived in the southern part of Greece. It was a very wealthy, a very degenerate, but very wealthy city. In the north of Greece, in Macedonia, the Philippians lived. It was a very impoverished area. And, you know, the, the, if you lived in the south, it's like, man, those hillbillies up there, you know, poor guys, they're always poor. And so Paul comes to the Corinthians and he talks about the, how the, the Philippians, the Macedonians, they insisted on giving, you know. So he's telling them about the generosity of these poor hillbillies. And then he says... Um, to the Corinthians, who were, you know, they were sophisticated, they were educated, they were, you know, they were pretty, you know, they were, came from a very degenerate culture, but they, they had the goods. And he says, but just as you excel in everything, in faith, speech, and knowledge, complete earnestness, and in your love for us. So he's saying, you guys are amazing. He said, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. So he's getting ready to receive an offering to take to the poor in Jerusalem. And he says, I want you to excel in the grace of giving. How many know that grace saves us? We're saved by grace. It's a gift from God. Would you like God to increase his grace in your life? in wisdom, in revelation, in miracles, you know, all these, you know, the grace of God came to us in Jesus Christ. The grace of God flows through us by the Holy Spirit. And so how many would like God to increase the grace of giving in your life? Because here's the deal, when it's grace, it's not work. When it's grace, it's, it's obedience, but it's not painful work. How many think you could use more grace? Okay. If you want more grace or giving, I just want you to raise your hand. And I can't imagine anyone who would want less because it's, you know, this is like kind of supernatural to give stuff away, you know? Okay. So God, I lift my hand as well and lift it on behalf of the whole body here and the whole ministry. And I pray you would increase the grace of giving in and our midst this year in Jesus' name, that it would go to a whole new level. Amen, amen, amen. So he says in verse eight, I'm back in the same, uh, you know, same, same chapter, 2 Corinthians 8, 8, I am not commanding you, but I want to test or measure the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. So he's, I think he's being a little wise there. Like he has some chokhmah, some Jewish chokhmah. He's saying, okay, you guys, I know, you've got all this stuff. How's your giving? You know, that's what he's really saying to him. He says, and then just since I've been telling you about the poor Macedonians, let's see what you can do here in Corinth. You know, so, so it's not, it's, it's not manipulating, but he's just putting it in reality that, that our generosity is a measure of love. You know why? Because when we're not generous, it's usually out of fear. Like I might not have enough. Like, well, wait, I need to save this and budget it. And okay, I give enough, that's enough. But that's human thinking. The grace of giving is, God, what do you want me to do? There's no pressure on that. It's just asking and being open to God flowing through you. Just saying it's a better way to live and a better way to give because it saves us. Um, God isn't after our money, he's after our hearts. You know that, but giving transforms our heart. It really does. So, okay, the fourth point, we, we give according to what we have, not according to what we don't have. 
So I, I think two weeks ago, uh, Pastor John talked about Elijah and the widow. Such a great story. She said, I have no bread. I have nothing baked. But she had something. And, and the word of the Lord came to her, enabling her to respond. She responded, and a miracle took place. The flour never ran out for the whole, the whole famine for year, you know, some years remaining. It's just a miracle. And so this is why... So even though it was such a tiny, her offering was so tiny, give me a little micro wafer of your barley flour, and then you can go do what you said, which was to die. We're going to eat it and die. That was her whole vision. Like, it's over. There's no hope. We're going to eat it and die, but at least, you know, that'll be it. We'll be together. And, and she would, God just exploded her whole expectation. Elisha and the widow, she was in debt. He said, what do you have in your house? No, nothing except a little oil. Okay, go and borrow vessels. <laughs> you know, don't just get a few. And, and, and it released a miracle in her life that kept her sons out of slavery and provided for her income to live on. And, so, and then Jesus and the widow at the treasury, he's watching all the rich people give their offerings. He sees this little widow lady. She comes up with two little, they're like half pennies, you know, hay pence if you're British. And she, she takes them and she throws them in the treasury. And, it, and Jesus said she gave more than them all. She gave all that she had. How many know that widow got taken care of? I mean, I just know it by faith. It was there, we don't know the rest of her story, but why it moved the heart of God. So I'm just saying, don't ever feel like, well, we don't have much. I'm telling you, a, a $10, $100 offering that you give, it, mean, it could just cause angels to weep and open heaven because he knows your situation. He knows what he says. When you seek him, what should we give? You know, so don't diminish it like, well, this isn't much, but I just want everyone to participate. Some people have written some really big checks for which we're, you know, just as a ministry, we're super thankful for that. But it releases something and brings us into a larger place, sets us up for miracles. God, we just want to be, and you guys are awesome. This is, I'm not spanking you or anything like that. We give according to what we have, but we don't want to, it's unbelief to think if God tells you, it makes a difference. You know, sometimes people give these really like mysterious things like, you know, $222.22 and stuff, and only you know why you wrote that down, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's like, but you're just being obedient, or sometimes it pops into your mind, like God said it, or else it just popped in your mind. It's just, it's all good. And uh, thank you, Jesus. So in giving, we plant seeds of blessings. So here's the, here's the thing, we're planting seeds, and a seed is a container for what's to come in the future. A seed carries the entire message. If I had time, we'll probably show it next week. We have slides of these sequoia trees that grow out of these little tiny seeds that are kind of like the size of a tomato seed. But they live for thousands of years and become the largest fireproof uh, organism on planet Earth, you know? And so uh, we'll, we'll, but isn't that wild? You know, so the, si the size of a seed doesn't determine its destiny. You ever seen a lima bean? They're pretty big. Seen a lima bean plant? They're nothing compared to an apple tree or a sequoia tree, a giant sequoia tree. I mean, do you understand? It's like, so we're planting seeds of blessing. Um, why, why do we use this language, sowing or planting? 2 Corinthians 9, 6. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. So some of us think, where's the breakthrough in my life? I can't answer this, but you should seek the Lord. God, do I need to change my attitude about giving? But it, it says, because the word sparingly there has the idea of like, uh, uh, I don't like, you know, like being a skin flint before God, okay? But if you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. And the word translated bountiful there is the word blessing. So when I say, God, it's a blessing to give. I think about that because we... We've always, 
challenged ourselves. We've always increased our giving. We've all, you know, every year, we, it's like, we are crazy, you know? And, and people that are in the world say, man, do you know how you could have all this stuff? And I go, yeah, but what we have, you can't buy. You know, what we have, we have the peace of God. We have the blessing of God. We have grandchildren that are following the Lord. We have, you know, we have abundance. We have fruitfulness. We have so many miracles that we couldn't earn and didn't deserve or imagine. I said, no, I'll stick with following God. <laughs> so, so anyway, just saying, that's when we, giving, we give and we understand this is a blessing. to be, God, thank you that you enabled me to give. Then you reap this blessing reward. And so our children are called seed in scripture. Our words are seeds. The, wor- the seed is the word of God. How many know the word of God created all things? The word of God, we were born again by the indestructible word of God. And it, like our whole new life is because a seed that is sown into us, the word of God that brings us the gospel And how much, so even our words are seeds creating things and responses. And how many have ever, have any of you ever gotten in trouble from your words? (laughs) I have, you know, and some of them, we said the right words and we got in trouble because that was what, you know, God causes trouble in the, you know, he causes disruption. We'll say that. And, you know, wherever Paul went, he had riots. But sometimes you get in trouble just because you're stupid. And I've had way too many of that, you know. And so God give us wisdom that our words be gracious and they be words of an ambassador and yet that they be bold as a lion. So, and then, you know, our offerings contain future realities. And so this is why we say 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion because God loves a cheerful giver. Like, why does God love cheerful givers? Because the cheerful giver gets like, God, this is awesome. I am like, I am creating something new here. I'm planting something that's going to bring a change. It'll bring a change in the world. It may very well bring a change in my life. I am co-laboring with you. You know, this is, Jesus, help us. So our offerings contain future realities in immature forms. The that next point, point six, is the harvest is proportional. If you plant a lot of seed, you get a lot of harvest. If you plant just a few seeds, you don't get such a big harvest. This is it. Jesus said that um, give and it'll be given to you. We know that it'll be good measure. It'll, you'll always get back more than you plant. It'll be pressed down. God, he'll put more in there than you did. It'll be shaken together. Get all the fluff out. It'll be running over because that's his nature, that it overflows. Grace overflows. And he says that men will put it in your bosom or that it'll be given to you. It will be put into your lap. Is that amazing? For with the same measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. So knowing that, this is why it's kind of fun to increase our measure. Year after year, we try to increase our measure. And sometimes it's harder than others. Sometimes it's awesome. Like, it's natural. We'll take a big jump. But it's like, you know, our goal is we want to give away more. (laughs) That's always been our goal. So, and why, you know, if we give away more, we get back more. But that's the benefit of giving. It's not the motive of giving. If I give because I'm expecting, Jeff Shade said it, you know, don't give just because you're expecting to receive. Give, you know you're going to receive, but so it's not even a motive for giving. It's like, I'm giving because I'm giving, because I'm cheerful, because I'm participating, because I'm joyful, just so on and on. So the thing is, our partnership releases God's creative ability. It's like, he, God is always looking for partners. He's always looking for vessels. He's always looking for the ones who love him and who will join him in what he's doing. And when we give, we just release this. This is also from 2 Corinthians. It's nine, verse eight. God is able 
to make all grace. Remember we talked about the grace of giving? Abound, overflow toward you, so that you always, how many know always is pretty often? (laughs) Having all sufficiency may have an abundance for every good work. That's wild. So you might say, well, I haven't experienced that yet, but I, you know, what we trust is we're getting closer. Sometimes we have setbacks because there's warfare. But it's like we don't stop believing the word of God. And so I just, you know, these are good things to confess over your offerings. God, you're able to make all grace abound to me so that I always having all sufficiency in all things or so that we always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. So many good works come. So many opportunities come. God, give us an abundance for every good work. So I'll give you, here's a little testimony, and some of you've heard it before, and I'll make it really quick. Um, 1977, I was teaching at a Christian school. Anne was pregnant with our second child. We were living in a trailer house in a cow pasture on a hill, and the water came to our trailer house through a black plastic pipe that was above ground in the cow pasture. So man, if it was really cold, we really had to keep the water running to, to not have it frozen. And this, this trailer house baked in the sun and froze at night, and that's where we lived. And we had so little money. There was a season where the school stopped paying us. I started working part-time cleaning toilets at the church, and I hadn't gotten my check there. We didn't have any money for any food, and we didn't tell anybody. And God, we were just like, this was our life, you know? And so, and God sustained us with miracles. It was amazing. We'd come, we came back, and uh, we had a whole porch full of bags of groceries. Like, maybe they noticed we were real skinny. I don't know. And was feeding our older daughter ketchup popsicles, mixing ketchup and water in a Tupperware popsicle thing. That's what we had. We, we, lit, we had some old chickens that didn't lay very much. <laughs> you know, we just, it was pathetic. Anyway, I, so I started praying because I said, God, this isn't the abundant life. Like, you know, I've been a Christian for five years. And, and so someone gave me a book that I didn't ask for. They gave me a book by Malcolm McGregor called Your Money Matters, and I read it. And, and so I said, Han, we should start having a budget. So we got envelopes and we wrote down and we tracked our pennies, you know, we tracked what we spent on everything, make sure we had enough money. And we had always given, ever since we were first saved, someone told us about tithing, so we gave. But our tithe was very small, you know, but it was big to us, but it was small. To, to, and, and so we tithed, and then we, there were some friends of ours that became missionaries, so we supported them. And so at the end of five years, I, I analyzed our giving, and it amounted to 11% of our income. And I felt, God, I think I'd like to do better than that. See, I wanted more grace. So I told Ann, Ann, I know, it, I know the solution. Meanwhile, friends of ours were starting to, who weren't working for a Christian school, getting paid almost nothing, and that, you know, they were starting to build houses, buy houses, they're working in construction. I was very tempted, but I'd given the, the uh, principal who hired me, I told him I'd work two years. Meanwhile, I'm thinking like, I could be making a lot of money building houses compared to what I was making. And, uh, and so it was, but I wanted to be true to my word. And so it, I said, God, what can we do? And I told her, I said, Ann, I think I know the solution. And she looked at me and said, what is it? And I said, I think we need to increase our giving. And now this is a mom who's, she's pregnant and she can't feed her two-year-old child. And her husband, who's 26 years old, is saying, we need to give more. Fortunately, she was also 26 years old, and she looked at me, and she trusted me. She said, okay, you know, and so we gave a little bit more. It wasn't much, maybe a dollar a week more or something. We just increased our giving. Within a year from that decision, God made a way all, that we got this really ugly fixer-upper out in the woods on a dirt road, you know, with just water pumped out, untreated water out of a, out of a canal, not not an agricultural canal, but <laughs> it just was not a good situation. And this place was so ugly, 800 square feet. 
And, but we could get it and we got it. We had a house, hallelujah. Four years later, we were able to sell it. We spent $2,000 total. We painted it, made it look cute. I built a built stone backup for a wood stove and, and all this stuff, did all this stuff. And we sold it and doubled our money in four years. And so, but what happened was that my aunt's mom died. Aunt, very young, very sad. We got a very small inheritance. I think it was $10,000 and it wasn't much. But we said, you know, if we could sell this house for a certain price and we could we take this inheritance, we could find a really cheap lot and I could build a house and we'd have no debt. And then we could go to the mission field. So here we are, you know. And so 1977, we couldn't feed our family. Probably 1978 or so, we, we moved into this house. 1983, we sold the house, and it doubled the money on the house. And we found this horrible lot that no one thought was buildable, and we built a house on it. Took a year, did it on, at night and on Saturdays, and uh, a lot of help from friends, and we moved in with no debt on this house. It was a 1,400-square-foot house. And, uh, and so this was a miracle, which all of a sudden made my friends jealous. It was really a weird experience. Like, like hey, is he stealing money from the offering? No, I w- it was just the blessing of God based on our little tiny seed of increasing our giving just a little bit. And so we were able, four years later, we sold that house. We had the cash. We came to Pennsylvania because we had a word from the Lord to come to Pennsylvania. So this was a breakthrough. Not just for us, but it ended up being a breakthrough also for a larger sphere, which we had no clue on. We were just trying to survive and not die and not get a divorce and not all this other, you know, have our, have our children in an orphanage while both parents were in prison or one was dead and one was in prison. Something like, I mean, or in mental hospitals. Was, take your pick. We were in really rough shape. And so, the, so we arrived in Pennsylvania. Now, here's the amazing thing. So you've heard that story before. 1990, somewhere around 1995, we were were in this warehouse on 13th Street, an old casket warehouse. It was big, but it was so ugly and just so like, and you know, drive-by shootings, really. Cars got stolen, really. Cars got broken into often and during services. It wasn't the kind of place where a lot of people wanted to come, but there were, <laughs> there were, <laughs> there were those who came. The presence of God was there. And, uh, and so we were, we, we, you know, we were growing, <laughs> which was a miracle, and, then the, uh, and we said, we, you know, we're gonna run out of space. So we kept trying to figure out how can we enlarge this building, and none of them were good ideas, and they were all ugly, and they, we were just landlocked and stuff. And, and we thought, I don't know what we're going to do. And so we said, we need a new place. How could we ever get a new place? We're stuck in the hood in this ugly warehouse. And, and so some woman won a lottery ticket. And I think she got about $40,000, if, if my memory's correct. And she gave us an offering. It was a pretty big offering. Maybe it was $20,000. I can't remember the exact amount. I was asking John if he remembered. But we took this offering... And I said, I think we should sow this offering. And so we picked an, a, a ministry, a big ministry, that had an anointing for buildings and breakthroughs. And I said, I just think we should sow it to this ministry. Like, I, it wasn't based logically. It was just came to me, like, what should we do? And we get, you know, so I remember I called John. He goes, okay, do it. You know, like, it, he thought it was a good idea. I mean, it's like, it's not going to make that much difference, you know, if you give away $20,000 like, in the whole span of your life. And, but it made a difference. We didn't even know. So we sowed the seed. They were, you know, we got an, a, a computer-generated thank you letter. And that, we never heard from them or anything. We didn't feel bitter. We didn't feel bad. And so we just thought, like, well, okay, God, we got seed in the ground. We're believing. 2,000 comes. And there's this property here, and it comes back on the market. 1999, this property was on the market. It had been prophesied by Kim Clement in, I don't know, 1992 or something like that. But we had, like, like, how are we ever going to do this, you know, go someplace? And so 2000, all the miracles took place, and we got here. It's a miracle. And, I mean, there were many other seeds other people did, you know, but that, that... 
But I look back and I say, God, you honored that seed that we sowed. And we got the breakthrough that we sowed for. Just saying. Thank you. Thank you. So, okay, I think I better let you go here. Um, But I'm just saying, a mustard seed or a sequoia seed, they have all the instructions they need to grow what they're intended to grow. And so if you're stuck or frustrated, I just ask the Lord. So here's, here's four keys to first fruits. They're pretty self-explanatory. I just want to, you have your envelopes, lift them up. In fact, if you lift them up, you can stand up and that gives you like, okay, we're... Because there's a release of grace for miracles and breakthroughs. There's, there's healing here in this room also. This morning, the Lord spoke to me, and he said, I'm gonna, I don't know why God tells me these things. It's, but he said, I'm going to heal kneecaps. And I'm thinking, like, I didn't know kneecaps need to be healed. So if you're here and you have kneecap problems or you're online, you have kneecap problems, we're going to pray for you. But I'm just saying, there's an atmosphere of miracles here. And it's important. I, I just want to talk about the practical steps, okay? There's four... Pray for God's direction, expecting to hear and be guided in your thoughts. We're going to pray for that, that you have the hearing of faith. Then consecrate, here's what we consecrate your dreams and desires. That's what, that's what we do when we, when we begin to target, like, here's the harvest I want. These are my dreams. This is, I want to see breakthrough here. I want to see my children this. I want, to, I want a husband. I want a wife. I want a new husband, but not a divorce. Yeah, I, do you understand? It's like, amen. I want, you know, that, that is, is what we're, that's our dreams. God, I want my child to be able to go to this university where they won't get woke. You know, and I, I, I want, God, I want to start this business and have it be a blessing and actually a ministry to many. I, God, I need breakthrough. I need a better job. I need, and we've seen children conceived, children born, marriages happen, houses sold, houses purchased, pr- miracles provided over and over, miracles to the nations, miracles in this house, on and on and on. We consecrate our dreams to the Lord. And then um, next week, we just, we, we spend time, and what we, Ann and I do, we, we've done this, and there's lots of ways. Some of you hear from God a lot. Some of you think, I don't know if I've ever heard God speak. You know, it's like, so I'm gonna pray for the hearing of faith. Sometimes the hearing of faith is, you're just pondering this, and like a number comes to you. Well, I didn't hear him speak, but I got this number on my mind. Go with it. That's faith. Sometimes it's not the wind or the earthquake or the fire. It's the little whisper that God speaks in. And so we have to, that's faith that we take that, oh, maybe that's from God. So Ann and I have done this for years. We both, we just say, okay, I'm trying to, you know, I'm listening to God for a number, I'm praying. And Often, you know, on Saturday, before the first fruit Sunday, we sit down and go, well, what have you heard? You know, and almost every year it's the same number. Once in a while, it's never been like crazy. And usually they're close enough, we go with the bigger number. (laughs) Just out of love and sowing with an attitude of bountifulness. But don't get in a fight over it. You know, just like God will speak to you in peace. Okay, are you good? And then you, you fill out your form. You can give by push pay, but please, if you give by push pay, still put your name and write in here the harvest I'm believing for because in a few weeks uh, when we've collected the vast majority of these, we get together and we spend pretty much a day praying over all these envelopes as a pastoral staff, agreeing with you, fighting for you, releasing the blessing, releasing... And next week will be a holy week. And you bring them, and it'll be glorious. Are you good? Okay. Lift your hands. I'm going to release you. Father, I bless your people.
I thank you for their amazing supernatural faithfulness, fruitfulness, generosity, faith, God, their boldness. I pray you would increase it, that we would be bold like lions, God, that we would find ourselves standing before kings, standing before counselors, standing before presidents. God, that, you, that we'll find ourselves standing before people who are spiritually hungry, people in need of healing, people in need of deliverance. God, that you will position us in our lives. I pray that you would increase the grace of giving and the grace of living on our lives, that we might prosper in all respects and be in good health, and that our soul would prosper. I pray the peace of God would be upon us and the hearing of faith. God, that there would be a release of hearing your voice, hearing in faith, and just a response. And we pray for glory over every single seed sown in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen.